I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Ty Frey, a professor of hydrology and atmospheric sciences at the University of Arizona. Welcome, Ty. Thanks for having me. I understand that you spent much of the last year on the road in most continents giving lectures about groundwater. About groundwater. It was the Darcy Lecture Series. I ended up giving about 120 lectures in 26 different countries. It was quite a year. What kind of venues? Uh, All sorts. I spoke to everything from consulting companies to public forums to universities to research labs. And what was your basic message that you were trying to get across? The basic message is that within hydrogeology and probably many sciences, um, we as scientists end up taking this role where we're trying to predict the future with with scientific models. And we may know that these these models are not perfect, uh, but many of the consumers of these models don't necessarily know that. And so I'm trying to help people to see ways to uh, produce multiple versions of models that can give a better understanding of what we know and what we don't know. The Southwest has a lot of groundwater issues. Is there some place where you can think of where more models would have been better? Often what we run into is, will someone adding a well at one location uh, perhaps cause a, a river to lose some of its flow or might lower the water table at someone else's well so they don't have access to water anymore? Well, some subsurface geologic structures might actually uh, focus that drawdown that we call that lowering of the water table towards the person's well or towards the surface water body. Can you think of some examples from Arizona where something like this has happened, where the models should have been better, could have been better, had they been different? I think probably almost every case that we look at in terms of trying to predict, say, the impact of dewatering for a mine or the impact of of trying to predict where contaminants will move in the subsurface, uh, no matter how hard we try, if we come up with our one best model, we're almost always certain to mispredict what those effects might be. Uh, And we're, we're accustomed to that. As scientists, we know that we're going to have to collect more data and revise our model. Our new model will be better than our old one. But we do this in a serial fashion where we build one best model and then a next one and then a next one. And our, our approach now is, is thinking more in the terms of trying to build multiple opinions, multiple narratives, and then give decision makers a choice of, of possible realities that we can test. So, for example, with the Colorado River as a huge issue throughout the Southwest, how well do the various stakeholders agree on where things are with the Colorado. Is that the sort of thing that you can uh, attack with this approach? Absolutely. So we could use this approach to propagate forward the possible impacts of climate change, for instance. We could also use this approach to try to to zone water uses differently. Uh, And it might be something as large as, as flows in the Colorado River, or it might be something as small as the timing of water extraction, say for agriculture, to preserve flow in the river for, say, endangered species. But in a typical problem, who are the stakeholders? Is it governments? Is it businesses? Is it private individuals? Who would it be? It will often be many of the above. So uh, typically in Arizona, a lot of water use uh, is is related to mining. So we will have on one side uh, regulations, uh, regulators. On the other side, we'll have mining interests. And then we might also have concerned citizen groups or local citizens who think that the mining impact might impact their uh, their water use for their communities. Uh, similar problems will arise for uh, real estate development, where they have to demonstrate an assured water supply for a, for a fixed time. Where does the data that you're using coming from? What, what kinds of instruments or measurements? 
I'm, I'm glad you asked that. It, it turns out that's usually the most expensive part of our investigations. Everything's happening underground, so it's hard to see, it's hard to measure. So we either have to drill wells, which tend to be quite expensive, or we use geophysical methods that can look into the subsurface, but they're a bit less precise. When you talk about the underground reservoir, are we talking about a lake, a placid lake underground? Are we talking about something flowing? Are we talking about things trickling between rocks? What are we talking about? To some degree, all of the above. Most of what we think about is, is more like water in a sponge. So we have sand that, that the spaces between the sand particles are filled with water. Um, but in general, on the scale of how things are moving in groundwater, groundwater moves much more slowly than you would walk. It's moving very, very slowly through these aquifers. As I take water out relatively quickly for use, it takes quite a long time for that water to replenish in some cases. Thank you for coming in, Ty. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.